the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow underway. The Tuesday edition is here, and we are headed to Las Vegas. Outkick coverage from Las Vegas at Super Bowl 58, just around the corner. Everything starts tomorrow, and on the eve of that, Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Uh, Tuesday, a lot of times for many people, sort of a struggle day going, right? Yeah. We're trying to turn well, that especially around. Especially if you're going to Vegas. We've started the trend of starting the weekend on Thursday. We have tried to turn Tuesday now into an energy day. Like Wednesday, hump people day. think of hump day. That's where you get over the hump. Thursday's the start sure. of our weekend. Friday, highly well-celebrated day. Friday needs no more help. Tuesday needs help. We're going to give you help on this Tuesday. We're turning Tuesday into something different. Something, dare I say, extraordinary. Bobby Carpenter will help with that. He's coming up uh, momentarily just around the corner. Plus, uh, the gun show. Mike Gunzelman from Outkick uh, joins us in studio Coming up uh, later in this hour. Chad, uh, we head to Las Vegas with everyone talking about Patrick Mahomes and legacy. And then we also have Brock Purdy. The, the quarterback matchup here, just in, I mean, you, it's so many different facets. You have the, the salary, of course, uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer, which is Patrick Mahomes, compared to Brock Purdy, which is Mr. Irrelevant. And everything else in between with what they can do, the 49ers, winning for the first time uh, in a, a long time since, what, Steve Young. And you also have, well, the Chiefs going for dynasty. I mean, they're, they're there, but they go for their third in their last four appearances. And, I mean, you've got, man, <laughs> Chad, Mahomes back in the Super Bowl against Purdy, who is just trying to win and, well, maintain his job. Brock Purdy is such an interesting case to me because... He's been incredible. He's far exceeded any expectation anyone could ever lay out for a seventh rounder at quarterback and someone that was brought in with a top three pick at quarterback. And he got his opportunity and he has not relinquished it. And he's got his team playing in a Super Bowl. But I can't help but sit there and think, Hutton, when I, when I see how this has all unfolded, that even with all of the success of Brock Purdy, got his team to the Super Bowl. Had an amazing comeback against the Lions. Played great. Made plays with his legs in that game that really turned the tide in the second half. If the 49ers lose this game, the knock on Brock Purdy is that he's not elite enough to win a Super Bowl. And then suddenly Kyle Shanahan, who most teams in NFL are trying to replicate what he's done with their hires, the knock on Shanahan is going to be, hey, you're 0-2 in the Super Bowl. You're just good enough to get there. But your quarterbacks aren't good enough to win it. Jimmy Garoppolo the first time, and now Brock Purdy the second time. It's just a reminder of how quickly narratives can change and the way we think about players or coaches or organizations from a broad boilerplate sense can change quickly. And one loss to the Chiefs in this game, and immediately the 49ers go from dominant organization under a great head coach in Kyle Shanahan to really good, can get to the big game, but can't win it because they don't have an elite quarterback and need to make a change. I'm not saying I agree with that, but I know that's what the narrative is going to be. And everyone Hutton, is going to start talking about Kirk Cousins that if that happens and Brock Purdy plays poorly. Yeah, Shanahan's been connected with him for a while, since like 2012, dating back to the Washington. Look, uh, it's not just lose the game. It's not if you lose, but how you lose. Ask Josh Allen, who lost to Patrick Mahomes, uh, but then took the Bills into the offseason as the team and uh, the uh, by a landslide, the, the Vegas favorite for most valuable player. Um, we were talking about Purdy as MVP, what, two months ago, which is crazy to think it's, you know, it's it feels like ages ago with how the, the NFL season progresses. But, I mean, think about it from this perspective. It's not going to be a big discussion this week, Purdy, uh, and, and what it all means. But there... Mahomes is going to dominate the quarterback discussion, and rightfully so, Chad. Um, but regardless of this being his only shot at a title, or if it's not, Purdy has defied the odds at the position, the most important position in sports. And he's got Shanahan and his offensive system. All of this is true. The quarterback-friendly system, I mean, it is friendly as long as you can speak the same language as the head coach. And, you know, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't always mean game manager. It can also mean Brock Purdy is a lot like Drew Brees. Distribution, he's accurate, smart. He meshes with Shanahan the same way that Sean Payton meshed with Drew Brees. 
And it's a great coach-QB combination. The system is the coach. The execution is the quarterback. Because Purdy gives Shanahan the ability to adjust and tweak a game plan in the moment and on the fly. And if you're saying to yourself, and I would be, well, you're supposed to do that. Everyone does that. Keep in mind there's a huge gap between those quarterbacks who can and those who can't. Why did Jimmy Garoppolo phase out in San Francisco? If the system makes the quarterback, where is Trey Lance? Uh, They're watching Brock Purdy throw 31 touchdowns and 11 interceptions, completing 70% of his passes. And I think he's not because of the, of course, he's the last pick in the draft. And you have all the pre-draft projections, the measurables. But the intangibles is what you really don't know until you see the guy process in the moment. The jump from the college defense to the NFL defense and facing them, um, many quarterbacks can't make that progression. They can't make that jump. And Purdy's success has been because of that. Um, I feel like quarterbacks are, you know, if you're a step behind, the game is always fast. He is ahead of the speed of the defense. And his big moments of a game-winning drive or, you know, taking the team to uh, a long possession to milk the clock, I think it shows why he was mentioned for the NFL MVP just a a couple of months ago. And again, he's not going to be the headline grabber. But this is such a wide margin between win and lose for him. The range of the stakes that could be in play for him Sunday. Shanahan isn't scared to trust his instincts. And he wants to, he wants to win a title. You're right about the narrative with him. He pursued Tom Brady this past offseason. He's worried about Purdy's elbow recovery. And so you ask yourself, well, what happens if Purdy plays a bad game? They could just move on just as quick as they did with Trey Lance. And you're right about Cousins. Shanahan loves Kirk Cousins. He would be perfect in that system, by the way. And what does a bad performance really mean? Perception. The perception of Brock Purdy now playing in the Super Bowl, how much that would flip if they they lost one of these last two games. Because he wasn't good in the first half, but he was good when it mattered. If he's not good here, does it mean he could be backup? Could he downgrade a backup? Could he be traded? It all seems crazy, but we know that Shanahan wants to do more than just make it to the Super Bowl. But that's exactly what Purdy has done, is make it to the Super Bowl where, I mean, the the odds are stacked against him, and there's this underlying chatter that he's still not good enough. Only four quarterbacks have ever won the Super Bowl within their first two seasons in the league. Tom Brady, Kurt Warner, Ben Roethlisberger, and Russell Wilson. So I ask, what if he wins? What does perception do for for Brock Purdy if he wins on Sunday against Patrick Mahomes? Not if he loses, because if he loses, it's going to be, oh, he's got to go. He's not good enough. He's reached the ceiling. Where was his his ceiling be just from the the perspective of the media, the fans, coaches, if he leads San Fran to a win? I don't think it changes all that much. I I still think he's going to have his doubters. I, I don't want to compare Brock Purdy to Tom Brady. Already, but I'm going to go ahead and compare okay. Brock Purdy to Tom Brady. Right, that makes now. two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, th- this is this is the route. Th- this is this is the way, if you will. Okay. Imagine Tom Brady's career if they don't win that Super Bowl against the Rams post 9/11. Imagine them not getting the drive late and Adam Vinatieri kicking mm. that field goal. I think down in New Orleans in that game to right. win that Super Bowl. Imagine the knock on Tom Brady. After that game, it's probably a lot of, hey, he's a, he's a good game manager, great story, stepping in for the injured Drew Bledsoe, but ultimately not the guy that's going to you know go win you seven Super Bowls or be an elite passing quarterback in the NFL. And now I look at Brock Purdy in year two and in this pivot point of his career, because if he does win this game, if he wins this Super Bowl in year two, Who's to say he's not Brady for Shanahan? He's not the Brady to Belichick, Purdy to Shanahan now Mm. moving forward. Because there are three distinct phases of Tom Brady's career as the greatest quarterback in NFL history. That first phase, where they won Super Bowls in 01, 03, 04, he was very much a get-out-of-the-way game manager, let the defense led by Belichick do the job, and you do your job of being the smart distributor of the football 
and get out of our way and let's go win Super Bowls. And he was able to do that. That, that. That's Brock Purdy. Could be Brock Purdy right now. Could Brock Purdy develop into a guy who's Tom Brady in phase two or three of his career? Phase two where he's leading high-powered offenses with Randy Moss and is the best passer in the league? And then phase three where he's sort of a combination of, of both at times. He's whatever you need to be. I mean, that that's what this is setting up. I'm not going to put that pressure on Brock Purdy right now and say, I see him being Tom Brady by the end of his career, but I'll also just challenge the audience and say, show me the difference. Brock Purdy stepping in because of injury, getting his opportunity as a late round pick to prove his worth. He does so in extraordinary fashion, leads his team to a Super Bowl. Now the what if, if the 49ers win this Super Bowl in dramatic fashion or however they do it, what could Brock Purdy be matched with Kyle Shanahan the same way back in February of 2002 when you look back at Tom Brady and what was to come with him and Bill Belichick? Why not? Why not eventually? That, that being well, the case. That, that, that is how big this is, Hutton. And if you go back and play the what-ifs in sports, and I just played one with Brady, what, what does his career become ultimately – if they don't go down and kick that field goal with Vinatieri and win that first Super Bowl, maybe it's just one less Super Bowl, right? Maybe it's six instead of seven. They still go on and win all those games, and Brady's the starter, but we don't know because that's not what happened. Well, he, now what will happen with Purdy and Shanahan? There was even a discussion after winning the Super Bowl that they could go back to Bledsoe. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that was and, being discussed. And why was that the discussion? Because it was still Tom Brady seems like a sweet kid, as Lou Holtz would say. Sweet, 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 sweet kid, sweet kid. But a guy who's a game manager at best and uh, probably not going to be a franchise quarterback for anyone because at that time, we don't remember Tom Brady with Giselle winning Super Bowls. Remember Tom Brady looking lumpy shirtless at the combine and this guy out of Michigan who couldn't even be the full-time starter at Michigan. Uh, he was he was changing out with Drew Henson. I mean, that, that's You're how right. we perceived him, right? Brock Purdy was a great college quarterback at Iowa State. He was really good, but... I'm guilty of this. When I watching the first half and that interception thrown by Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship, my mind immediately goes to see, there he is. There's the seventh rounder, too small, not good enough, and that's what's going to cost the 49ers. Probably going to do it if he struggles early in this game too, because mentally that's what we are prearranged to do. Watching Brock Purdy, if he goes out and wins the Super Bowl and plays great against Patrick Mahomes, that's going to change a, a lot of minds. Well, see. It, he can have a bad game, and the 49ers can still win. Can Mahomes have a bad game and the Chiefs win? No. Mm -mm. But no one's even thinking about Mahomes having a bad game. It also depends on what we're talking about with a bad game. Well, I Because mean, I think Mahomes has now become the guy that, like Brady at different points, look at, uh, he can mesh into whatever you need. His whole thing is just don't make the big mistake because he's got a great defense now, too. But, but in the regular season, in, by the way, if, if the regular season will be a footnote for the Chiefs. Um but just go back to the Raiders game. Which because the Taylor Swift album, sure, launched, yeah, the that, new album that's, she's that's coming the, out with. That's the new that's name of the album. That's why it's a footnote. footnote. That's the story now. Um, just go back to the regular season game uh, just, what, six or seven, eight weeks ago now against the Raiders. I mean, the picks that he was throwing there. It was very unlike him. Um, I think the expectation is Purdy's going to have that, you know, clock, uh, the clock's going to strike midnight moment. But he hasn't done that. He, uh, five playoff starts and four playoff wins. And the one game that they lost, they, I mean, he didn't finish the game. He has the most victories for any last round pick in NFL history in the playoffs already. He's the only seventh round quarterback ever with 4,000 yards passing in a single season. And he's tied the most uh, for the, tied for the most wins in a single season for a seventh round pick. I mean, it's a great story regardless of what happens here. Oh, and I did, so look at the math here uh, uh, on, the, on the salaries. So per touchdown pass in the regular season, Brock Purdy made $28,000 per touchdown pass. Um, looking at Mahomes, he made $1.64 per touchdown Amazing. pass. It, Crazy. It, it, it's a, it, it, you're right. It's great stories regardless with the, the quarterback-to-quarterback matchup in this game. Everyone's talking about can Mahomes become Brady because of the rings, mm. and he's trying to get a third. In, in quick by 28 years old so he's on he's on a path to be better than Brady statistically 
and maybe even with Super Bowl rings before all of a sudden done. I still don't think he's going to get there, uh, even if he wins this one, but he's got a chance. I'm telling you, though, from a storyline standpoint, the one you should be asking, can he be Tom Brady, is Brock Purdy because of the origin story. The origin story is very similar. And the perception of Brady then versus the perception of Purdy now yeah. is very similar. That I'm, I, I think Brock Purdy's a great story, a very good quarterback. I still have a hard time believing that he's going to go in there and, as I've stated many times, kill John Wick. That it's going to be Brock Purdy and the 49ers that are going to vanquish Patrick Mahomes, the great Pat Mahomes, and this Chiefs team. I, I still have a hard time believing it, even though my brain tells me 49ers have a better roster. 49ers have a better team. I can't get over the fact that it's Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes will find a way, and Brock Purdy will find a way the other way, and the Chiefs are going to win the game. What shows, too, that NFL organizations can find a way to this game and be built in a way different manner. Uh, the Chiefs are built in a, in a very traditional sense of, hey, we're going to pay the quarterback, and we've got our franchise quarterback. The 49ers are, are not. They're the opposite of that. You just compare the money and how they allocate it across. And we're going to show you this now, I believe. But the positional spending via over the cap, $58 million allocated to the quarterback position for Kansas City compared to just over a million dollars for San Francisco. But if you start going down the list, offensive lines, virtually the same, give or take $10 million. But again, that, that's allocated per year. And this is for 2024 moving forward. Um, you can see... Defensively, though, San Francisco, $130 million on defense. Kansas City has a very young defense, and they're spending just $53 million against the cap for the defense that right now has been played better. I trust that defense more than San Francisco's. I love how uh, both of these uh, front offices have gone about this, but KC's done it. I mean, I say in the traditional sense, but not really compared to what we're used to when they give a ton of money to the wide receiver and... They're loaded up on, on offense, and this year the offense has just been, meh, okay. But in the postseason, they're averaging like 27 points a game. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan has found a way. I mean, it's pretty miraculous it to think they just completely blew it on that trade to trade up and get Trey Lance, and they're still right here. But there's another challenge coming. Even if they win this Super Bowl, the challenge now is Brock Purdy's about to get paid. You're going to pay him. They have another season now. With a Super Bowl ring, but he's still about to get paid. Right, especially they, if they win this Super Bowl. But that's why it's big, though. If you win it after next year, you could go back. I mean, again. Oh, I know. But I, I, look, if this is going to be the Patriots, right? If they're going to keep yeah. this up with Brock Purdy, they win the Super Bowl. I'm simply saying that ratio is going to shift. So now you're going to pay the quarterback more than likely. And can he be creative enough like he has with the quarterback spot at every other position to show it the way the Chiefs have done yeah. it right now, right? I And I, if I'm betting on it, Hell yeah. I'm betting on Kyle Shanahan to figure it out. Chad, um, be totally honest here. I was not expecting my Super Bowl prediction to do this. Um, midway through the season, I thought it was it's a heck of a god-awful. God-awful. Uh, and I was very confident in this in August. And by October, I was ready to jump off, uh, the, the, walk the plank on it. But going back to August and our Super Bowl predictions, Chad, you went with Buffalo against San Francisco. You, we both love the 49ers. I went with KC to run it back and go back-to-back -back for the first time since New England uh, did it in, what, 2007. Well, now is not a time to be modest, Hutton. You're a genius for well, coming I, up with this prediction. I haven't liked KC all year. I'm half of a genius for getting half of it right with the 49ers. I'll also contend if uh, the Bills hold on and, and win. You know, it was really that game that separated. Right. Then yeah, I, I would have been the genius, and then Hutton still would have been half right. So what other show are you going to go to besides ours to get predictions that are always this good? And I would remind everyone to not look at my wrong team favored uh, standings this past year, but just look at this one more time as we show you these Super Bowl predictions. And you see right here, Jonathan Hutton nailed it, and he's going to nail it because John Wick can't die. It, it, you're going to find that out in John Wick 5 also. Still <laughs> going to be alive. Patrick Mahomes is John Wick. He will live. He will win. Hutton's prediction will be correct. And my prediction was damn near correct once again. This is the best show for predictions. I, You're not going to get it better anywhere else than that. Best show for predictions, but we don't back ourselves. Because had I, had I backed my wrong team favorite this year and then backed this, well, 
Chad, we would be going to Vegas and they would be comping us a lot. Hell, my team that I picked with the Bills was out of the playoffs. They had what an eight percent chance after losing in it Philly, was six and seven, I think. Yeah, they were. I think the percentage chance was eight percent to make the playoffs after that loss in Philly, and then they rallied and got there. So I end up looking smarter in the end, but I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs at one point. Streaming live right now at Outkick.com/slash/watch. You can spread the word for us. Outkick.com/slash/watch is where you go to uh, check out all of the live programming right here through the Outkick Network. Head over to the page, scroll up, hit the Watch tab. All live programming there, plus on-demand content as well. It's available, outkick.com slash watch. Coming up, Bobby Carpenter will join us right here on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Eddie Withrow here at outkick.com slash watch. Chad, Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy, they were both in elementary school the last time an NFL team went back-to-back in the Super Bowl. Makes me feel old. Yeah. Bobby Carpenter. I remember that us. team well, and I remember watching it well. I was not in elementary school when that happened with the Patriots. Bobby, you also feel old hearing that. Yeah, because I was in... I think it would have been either 03, 04. I would have been in college. So getting a chance to watch uh, the Pats get that done. It, I think it speaks... Gentlemen, just how difficult it is to be able to repeat and do it in consecutive years. We talk about some of these teams that are dynasties now and what they've been able to achieve. And generally, there's been some space and time in between because in consecutive seasons, to be able to keep your roster together, get the breaks, stay healthy, like all of those things are very, very difficult. Well, I mean, just consider the two from last year. I mean, Philadelphia is finding out the hard way. It's tough to just get back to the game. Kansas City's making it in the postseason look like they haven't skipped a beat, uh, and, and they have. I mean, I, I wasn't picking them in the regular season the way I did in the preseason, Bobby, but what what is it that keeps teams that are really good, like Philadelphia, from just keeping it together behind the scenes? Meanwhile, KC makes it look like it's a very routine thing, and it's not. It's the opening game to the Lions, and this year we looked at them like, well, they're the four seed. You know, yeah. Patrick Mahomes going to have to win a road game. Like there's a lot that's going to have to go into that. And so as you, you look at this and try to break down, you know, season over season, the one thing anyone in the NFL will tell you is each year, despite how similar the composition of the team might look, it's a wholly different season. You're going to have a different schedule. Guys, while they may be, you know, we're in the same jersey, maybe they're getting, you know, older and they're ascending as players. Maybe they're getting older and they're maybe descending as players. And just the makeup changes, the way teams play you changes, especially when you're, you know, the hunted as opposed to maybe the hunter. And so there's a lot of stuff that goes into that that you really can't quantify. And that's why every coach at the beginning, like, hey, the season's done. We're starting over. We're starting anew. And even if you may only lose one guy, just all those connections of trying to figure that out and build, whether it's continuity on offense, continuity on defense, maybe guys get injured, just the way your schedule shakes out. And frankly, when you play a sport with an oblong ball and there's going to be some tough bounces, some years you get them, some years you don't. Some years you play well at the beginning of the season, like the Philadelphia Eagles did this year. We talk about them like they were trash. It wasn't like they won three games. They were 10-1 and one at one point. But all of a sudden, things start kind of like sliding away. And you're like trying to pull it back on track because you're trying to you know recreate something as maybe as opposed to just creating something completely new. And I think that that's kind of what you have to guard against is wash, rinse, and repeat just because you maybe have the same kind of stars there or it went like this this, the year before. It's going to be wholly different. And, you know, Philly, like you said, yeah, they had a hard time at the end of the season. But middle of the year, I mean, they were playing as well as anybody. They were. Bobby Carpenter with us. He played well. Got the schedule on the wall to prove it. You've got uh, him on social at BCARP3. Which defense of these two would you want to play for more? I've played in Spags' scheme before. I was briefly in St. Louis uh, just for an offseason. Uh, it's very complicated. It's it's good for linebackers, maybe not quite as fun. I think that San Francisco defense, though, with what they're doing and, and the way that they got, get after him up front, it seems like they let guys play really fast. Um, and that's not to diminish Spags. There's a lot that goes on there, and you have to be an incredibly intelligent linebacker to be able to play and get things set up. Very, very complicated scheme. But I think just looking around and maybe it's it's the 
the Niners defensive line that's so appealing, but getting a chance to play behind those guys, I think would be phenomenal. Bobby, do you feel like it's a done deal that Cliff Kingsbury is not going to coach the Raiders and will coach the Commanders and be their offensive coordinator because he knows that he's going to be coaching Caleb Williams with Washington? You know, it's interesting with that because, you know, that, there is a logical that flip there that Washington could make uh, with the Bears and then, you know, Bears could potentially trade back again. I mean, they could pick up a massive haul in this situation. So much of your success comes down to situation and players. And if you're the offensive coordinator or a head coach, or you need to have a quarterback. And so if there's a guy that you're familiar with, then you know what? You have a chance to get who you think and you have intimate knowledge of and you think can be a guy that can change your stars. Because think of how quickly you go from a star in this league to, as we talked about, the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they're playing the 10-1. and All of a sudden, you know, they're firing both their coordinators after the season. So... I think Cliff Kingsbury looks at this and says, hey, they've got some weapons. Like they have some offensive pieces there. They have an owner that wants to spend money. They're getting a new stadium. You know, Defensively, yeah, they traded, traded off uh, Montez Sweat. They traded off uh, – uh, Oh, my goodness. Yes. And so you know, they moved on from some of their defense. But they have a lot of draft capital. And if they can continue to bolster that offensive line, it should probably be a more advantageous position. And let's be frank. I mean, Dallas is in that division. Philadelphia is pretty good. The Giants have you know, struggled mightily. But if you're in the AFC West, you're with an up-and-coming Chargers team, you've got a Broncos team that you would think is not going to be bad with Sean Payton. I mean, they were right around 500 this year, and they'll probably only get better. And then you've got a team that's playing in the Super Bowl. So I think the easier division to play in with probably a better talent pool. And then it comes down to you know, your head coaching situation. I like Antonio Pierce a lot, and I think he's going to do really well there. But I, I don't know if the Raiders are set up for success the same way that the commanders are right now. Bobby, a little college football big picture for you. When the NCAA launched the investigation into Tennessee and that story got leaked and you saw the response from Donde Plowman at Tennessee and athletic director Danny White, very strong in opposition. Now Tennessee and Virginia, their states suing the NCAA for antitrust violations, saying they have no right to interfere in NIL negotiations. Um, did the NCAA, is all they accomplished in this is speeding up the clock of what is eventually going to be this college football super conference that we've long discussed? Yeah, it, it seems like they pushed everybody, pushed all the chips into the table. Instead of slow playing this like they've done the last 40 years, like we're just going to get bled to death, keep putting our blinds in, maybe we win a hand here or there, but we don't want to really push, we're going to elongate these things. It gets in court. At least it takes a couple of years to adjudicate before we've been getting smashed. And as of late, I mean, they really haven't had any wins. And maybe this is them just trying to get a quick win and thinks that they think that they can get it. But everybody realizes how weak their arguments are. And you know, if you want to press this all the way to the Supreme Court, I mean, they've made it evident that you can't restrict the freedom of players and the opportunity for them to potentially earn unless you have some sort of collective bargaining and structure uh, structure in in place. So. Yeah, I think that all they did was do that. I think they thought they were going to be able to maybe get a win. They could pick up a couple teams. You know what? We'll wrap them real quick, and everybody will go along. But you know, they don't have any support from the rest of their member schools because everyone looks at this and says, "Okay, um, in your you know temporary guidance with the NIL collectives, because it takes a year or five years to get any type of real legislation done, uh, you're allowed to talk with collectives as a potential recruit." but they're not allowed to reveal anything to you about what could potentially be coming down the pike. Like, so if that's the case, what exactly are you supposed to be talking to them about? And it was just so hypocritical. And that's what you know, the president for uh, Tennessee pointed out. I mean, he was disingenuous, hypocritical. Whatever. The terms she used were phenomenal to really describe the hypocrisy of what that they were asking the collectives and players to ultimately do. I just don't, it's, it's very confusing uh, and they're not stupid, but it, this comes across as just a dumb move. If if you're so terrified of lawsuits and knowing what the Supreme Court ruled in July of 21 or June of 21 to, to then try to do it all of a sudden now, I, I just, if you're, if you know, it's going to go down this path and you've sped up this process instead of just kept it going status quo. It's a, it's a very confusing way to go about things. Why, why would you want to incite the lawsuit that you after, fear so well, much? And by after doing saying that. that you were going to meet and listen and try to come to to, to some discussion instead of some ruling, uh, that's what Charlie Baker said. I mean, 
This is also just a couple of weeks after he said Michigan won the title fair and square. I mean, well, again, like it's just it's very bizarre. Also, Bobby, you're talking about you know not limiting players on their opportunities to make name names. Like Tom Mars put out a tweet that really was was interesting to me, and he's he's spot on right. He said, "Now imagine if we told coaches and athletic directors, hey, we're going to tell you how much you're going to get paid after you accept the job. That, that that's the same thing." Like it's impossible to say that if you have the right to make the money off name, image, likeness, then you should have the right to talk to the school's collective about how much money they would make in name, image, likeness. Uh, even if there's not a contract sign that says you're you're getting this for playing at this school, you know most of the time you negotiate your salary before accepting the job, so you should be able to do the same as a student athlete. It, it makes sense to me. I, I think it makes sense to everybody, and I, I th- the one thing that I maybe the NCAA misjudged in this. You know, a lot of these lawsuits have been brought by individuals. Maybe, I don't know if the universities have individually pushed the lawsuits, but I mean, gentlemen, we're talking about the attorney generals right. of these respective states. Like this isn't some uh, lawyer that you hired that you saw their 1-800 number on, on TV. Like I don't get paid unless you get paid type situation. These are the attorney generals for these respective states. And I don't blame the attorney generals for taking these cases because frankly, you know, some of these, most of these positions are elected and if there's anything that's a unifying factor in states that have big-time college football, it does not matter what side of the aisle you sit on. Everybody wants their respective university to be competitive and make sure that they're not being cheated and that they have an opportunity to be successful and ultimately win. And so I, I don't blame these AGs for taking it, but I, I think that there was maybe a, a misunderstanding on the NCAA by, about who was going to be involved in this and to the degree that they're going to devote resources and their time, energy, and effort, understanding how important this is for the representative or for the people they represent in their state and their constituents. Because I know that people in Tennessee care about this. I know that people in Virginia, no you talk about Florida State, like every state cares. If someone did this in Ohio and Alabama, like you're going to have the AG step up because it, honestly, if nothing else, it is a, it's a winning political matter for them. Bobby, how surprised are you that Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick did not get a gig? You know, once Harbaugh didn't leave uh, the Chargers, I thought that Vrabel, from what I, the people I've talked to, he was their next up. And they're, they're a very similar style in the way that they coach. I mean, they're big leaders. You know, they don't necessarily, they're not going to call plays here or there, but they're going to have a culture that's going to be set that should be able to win. And you look at, you know, what Mike did at Tennessee, I mean, it was really impressive, especially this year when you're trading away their best players, there's injury, everyone knows you're limping to the finish line with a young quarterback, and you go out and beat Jacksonville the final game of the season who's fighting to get in the playoffs. So I thought he's a little bit younger. You know, he's obviously much younger than Bill, so he doesn't have that necessarily the age-related stigma where how long is he going to be there. He's a guy that you could have there conceivably coach for the next 10, 15 years. And, and I love that how that that's, well, this guy be there in 10 years. Tell me how many coaches in the NFL are there more than five. Like, let's get realistic You're about right. that. There's no one left in the, in the hiring cycle when Vrabel was hired in 2018. No no coaches that were hired yeah. that offseason are left. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you get five or six years and you've got a couple playoff bursts, maybe made a run, I mean, heck, that's that's about all you could hope for. You know, Belichick, I thought that they would hire him in Atlanta. And either you draft a quarterback or maybe you trade for like a Justin Fields or something like mm-hmm. that, try to bring in a guy. Because they've got some good pieces there. Arthur Blank, you know, is a guy who's willing to spend. He's a guy that's also a little bit older and thought, you know what? This might be your last four or five year run to be able to get it done. That was surprising. And probably then after that passed, the biggest surprise to me of all of it was that Jerry chose to stay with stay with Mike McCarthy and not go to Bill. Because he's another guy that's in his 80s and staring down the end and you really want to go through another season that Mike McCarthy has kind of proven to you what he is. Like you can go to win 10, 11, 12 games. You're going to get to the postseason, but what are you going to do once you get there? And so it was surprising for me that there's a couple of these owners who thought, Hey, the next three to five years, we might have a window to win and we're not going to go with Bill Belichick. Or maybe you feel like we need a good cultural reset. We want a guy who's experienced is tough and didn't go after Mike Vrabel. And, you know, I know both of those guys might be a little rough around the edges, but they're going to tell you the truth, and that's probably the most important thing. All right, tell us the truth. Who's winning Super Bowl 58? Oh, goodness. Um, it's tough to get a bet against Pat Mahomes, but I'll tell you what, if the Niners are healthy, 
I think they have too much offensively. Like, unless you find a way, Debo's hurt, but he looks pretty good. Christian McCaffrey, if you're going to get plays like that out of Iuke down the field, you know they're going to be able to run the ball. And Brock Purdy, we can call him a game manager. We can call him this, that, all these things. If it's, it's a third and eight, and he pulls the ball down and gets 14 yards. Like, dude, you're moving the sticks. Like, I love Pat Mahomes, and I think it's going to be a, a classic and iconic Super Bowl, but I like the Niners to win in a tight one. You sound like I did the last two playoff games against the Chiefs. Uh, I can't I can't pick against them in this game. I have this entire run. And uh, and I'm with you on the, the Niners' offense. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's going to get more than six carries the way the Baltimore Ravens running backs received against that KC run defense, so... It, it should be a nice showing for all the weapons there. It's going to be fun, and you're right about Brock Purdy. Whatever he is, he seems like the right quarterback at the right time for the 49ers. So we'll see it on full display this Sunday. Thanks so much, Bobby. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Bobby Carpenter always brings it. Always uh, glad to have him on whenever uh, he's uh, available there. does a great job uh, with us uh, each and every uh, start of the week. Um, check him out on social at bcarp3. Coming up, Chad, uh, more energy. Gun show. Gun Show. Mike Gunzelman in studio with us next. We talk uh, NFL uh, Super Bowl halftime shows. Uh, we had him in, what, what roughly six months ago or so, Chad? And we were discussing the, the top ones that we would want to see. Yeah. Maybe he's amended that a bit to his list. You we'll, think Usher makes that list, the ones he's ready to see? We'll no, find out because it's Gun Show time. We'll find out. It's next right here on How Much. Sixth of Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow right here on the Outkick Network, which includes, of course, outkick.com slash watch. Chad, energy here at the table, Instant but also... human energy. Yes. Across from us, the gun show has arrived. Boop, boop, boop. What's up? What's up? How are we doing? Super Bowl week. Let's go. You gave us a little David Spade. Boop, 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 boop. There you when go. you came on, I, I, I kind of like that. It was there nice. you go. Yeah. You want to go to Vegas with us? You know what? I think Vegas needs the guns. I think Let's Vegas, you know, like, uh, definitely you should do a residency yeah. in Vegas, guns. I they should, should have, have you there for months at a time. I should be Outkick's Vegas correspondent. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> be, I'll be around the sports books. I'll be like, hi, low, let's go, you know? Was yeah. uh, was Usher on your Super Bowl halftime wish list? Absolutely you not. Okay. <laughs> okay, absolutely not. Is Usher not. doing a residency in Vegas? I think he's there right now, right? Yeah, uh, he's, someone said he's at one of the resorts there, hotels. Yeah, which makes it not even that special. So he's actually been doing uh, uh, Vegas now for, for quite a minute. But I, I don't – there's no reason for him to do it. Now, he is – I can say this full disclosure. He is planning a comeback. He's going to be doing a lot of festivals this coming summer. He's going to be doing shows. He's going to come out with new music, et cetera. But that's – you know, it's it, it, it's a it, it's a gimmick type thing. Usher's fine. I don't hate Usher. But should he be on the world's largest stage? No. Should he come out with somebody else? Could he be like a collab, kind of like how Little John's going to come out during his set? We already know the people that are going to be coming out. I, he'll, uh, uh, Little John's going to be coming out. Rihanna's going to be coming out. Like probably Alicia Keys is going to come out. Just think about all the people he's had collabs with. You're going to hear, you're going to hear Little John go yeah during that song with Usher. We know that. That should be Usher for somebody else. I don't think Usher. I'm, I'm not. I'm not hyped. I don't hate it, but I'm not hyped. For and us, should be doing it. I like having the collabs out there, right? Yeah. And adding a little spice to it. They need to. Yeah. I, I also think this Usher to me is one of those acts that needs a surprise yes. performance. Mm -hmm. Needs someone no one's expecting to take the stage with him that jumps out on stage and they do something. Yeah. Right? That this is yeah. the type and it's not a huge knock on Usher. I mean, he's at the Super Bowl halftime show. He's a big deal. Right. But it's not, you know, you too. Right. So it's yeah. someone that needs someone else there. But what's interesting is that, you know, Rihanna did it last year and she was fine. She was pregnant, et cetera. But like that was supposed to be like, oh, yeah, this is going to be the comeback for Rihanna. What has Rihanna done this past year? You know, it didn't really nothing too much. Like the Super Bowl is always kind of like it's either like your throwback legends or it's gearing up for something happening. And for, for Rihanna, obviously, she was pregnant, ended up having the child, et cetera. So it, that, you know, didn't lead to bigger things for her. Is this going to be the comeback of Usher? Is anybody caring about the comeback to Usher? You want to know who I thought, and I've argued with this, and we had this conversation a year ago, probably around the same time. 
He performed at the Grammys this past Sunday. Billy freaking Joel, all right? Billy Joel has always been on my top five. He's now coming out with a new song, played the Grammys. I think Billy Joel would be amazing. You've also got people like, you know, Garth Brooks has never done it. Jay-Z's never done it. We've talked in the past, the Foo Fighters have never done it. Think about like kind of a collab there. Foo Fighters would be so good uh, with other artists as well. Uh, Usher, not stoked about it. Will I watch? Sure, why not? But I got to say this on camera. If people think that surprise guest that you mentioned is going to be Taylor Swift, it's absolutely not. So stop already. Stop. It, it's I, I like Taylor Swift. I've supported Taylor Swift here countless times. But I need to say this. We're getting at the point where it's becoming too much. And it's and it's the backlash. The, the amount of of diehardness that's happening with the Swifties right now is almost making me resent Taylor Swift a little bit. It's becoming too much. This me complex that's happening, it's it's not always about her. I, I think both responses to Taylor Swift are extreme. Yeah. I think if you're yeah, really are. that bothered by a few cutaways of Taylor Swift, it's not taken away from your football experience. There's something else. Watch. There's something deeper going on with you if you're that bothered by it or you're really not that big of a football fan to begin with. I don't understand hating Taylor Swift to that level. I'm pretty indifferent. I think her music's catchy, but I've got no real strong take on Taylor right. Swift one way or the other. And I think I'm with you, Guns, on now the response of if you have you know any issue at all, then they, you're uh, you know you're they're coming at a you. misogynist. You're this. You're that. And I'm like, it's oh, the whole thing is too much. Hey, yes. Can I? Uh, maybe I'm the the one way off on in left fielder. I think Kelsey is what makes it annoying. The, the addition the, of the, Kelsey, the Kelsey part of it. Yes. What do you mean by that? Go elaborate. Well, it's just when he gets on the mic and he's, he's screaming and he's like, he, you know, he's, they've, they've got the kiss set up and all this stuff. Again, like, I think it's the Kelsey end of it the, that you, makes the heart, it so... You didn't like him doing the heart sign no. to, to Taylor I mean, just, after the touchdown? See, yeah. Because they, like, to, uh, to his credit, somehow Patrick Mahomes has kept Jackson Mahomes in the shadows. He's off, like, he's off in the periphery of, of the, every shot that's in the booth, but he's not there in the forefront. Right. Um, and it... it Luckily, he's kept his dad in the but also, shadows. Yeah, too. yeah. Right. But even Brit Brittany is why. I mean, she's there, but she's not the most annoying part of all of this to me. Right. What happens and when that's she's? A big shot. What happens when she's the next halftime performer, or when it's it's in oh, short order, well, right? It, like what? It, yeah. I like to envision Guns the future of Taylor Swift with the NFL if this Kelsey relationship continues and she's back what? a year from now, the year after as the halftime performer. Here's the thing, and uh, we can document this, reserve it, save it, whatever you want. Clip she, this, guys. She, guys, we're going to save this part. Uh, get ready. All hands clip on it, deck. Clip it. Taylor Swift is gonna One part we're going to save right here. Go. Go. Taylor Swift will perform the Super Bowl halftime the first year that it's in Tennessee as they redo the stadium right now. I believe it's 2026 or 2027. She will be the halftime performer here because it's between the country music part of it, aspect to it, and also the fact that it's Taylor Swift. She will solidify herself, and that's when it's first going to happen. 2026, 2027, whenever the new Titan Stadium's done, you, lock it in. You've said this before. I, I like the idea of this, but to me, Nashville, Tennessee is where you have damn Garth Brooks do it. Not a pop star. Like, I get what you're Tim, saying. Tim McGraw, She's from Hendersonville. Tim McGraw's going to come out. There. No, she'll bring out Tim McGraw. They'll do a big country thing, but she will be. It'll be Taylor Swift. I think she'll countries. get it before then. I would love to see a Garth Brooks or some huge country act have it in Nashville. What is? What, but think about it. All right, so it's already at 2024. So you're talking two, three years away from I don't, now. Do you think people think that she's from Nashville? Like the perception? She, I don't. She did live in Hendersonville for some oh, for a time, but yeah. She left us, yeah. She did I just, sell you out. She left us. You know, big. I think it's, I, I'm, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I mean, listen, unless, unless the, and I, I truly believe they get engaged. Is he going to propose to her on the spot? I think everything that happens with Taylor Swift, and I've argued about this, I've written about this, I've spoken about, like, I come from a very deep, I know her camp, I know people that have toured with her, I know, I, I come from a music world, all right? Everything is super, 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 so Why super do you hate her so much, Guns? Come on, man. You know I don't, all of her people. I don't hate her, and I don't mind that she's, doing whatever but then you see her at the grammys and yeah. she wins a she wins an, a, an award and then she goes she pretty much says screw everything else i'm gonna announce my album like it's just it's it's this me thing that's happening now i don't mind it but it is starting to resonate where it's almost becoming unless you're a swifty versus everybody else because it is becoming a little too much now my point is if she gets engaged to Travis, does she do next year's Super Bowl halftime show? I feel like that would even be too much because I feel like 
already you're building up there. I don't think she does it next year. If she doesn't do it next year, why not wait two years? Well, I don't think she's going to do it. Why, why do it now if you haven't done it in the past? She doesn't do when, it now, but how about whenever, two years from now? Well, well, why two years from now? Because 2025 is, uh, so the future Super Bowls, all right? New but, Orleans. When is the Apple San music? Francisco. When's that, when's that? In L.A. So she would not be in Nashville at, until 2028. Yeah. When is the sponsorship up? In the, because they, she the, the end of the 2027 of season. Yeah. And there was something with the, the music label or whatever guns here. By the way, biggest, I, and they don't need more money, but it's just the NFL here. The, the, the artists don't get paid for this, right? And the whole thing is, oh, the exposure. Promotion. They are getting $50 million for the halftime show per year from Apple Music yeah. to, to do this. And they say, oh, you know, it's the audience. It's a... Uh, who's who's profiting off of that? The national. <laughs> You're close to the league. artist community, guns. What, what do yeah. artists think about that? I, I I mean, do they get paid in other ways? I, I'm sorry. Uh, there's plenty of sponsorship and ad deals, and, and maybe oh, the the downloads aren't really pulling in too much. I can tell you that much. It would be great if they did like a Doritos ad in the middle of it of their halftime <laughs> yeah. performance. Like, hey, I'm so not getting paid. So they pop in a Dorito. Let me tell you about the Cooler Ranch <laughs> yeah. Doritos yeah, yeah, yeah. right now, like, and they have an impromptu <laughs> ad in the middle. I just like I, like the chip sound effect. Listen, it, it, it's fine. Um, it's Usher's going to be fine. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah. It's, it's not really a hatred to it. They, he has plenty. He's got to have someone come out, right? Let me. Well, we already know he's going to bring out somebody. Do you, but a surprise on top of everything else. We'll we'll see. I don't pop, know. Pop culture related question for you, Gunn. Yeah. Tell me out with this. Well, I watched a little bit of the Grammys last night. By a little bit, I mean two nights I, ago. Two nights ago. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday night. Two yeah. nights ago. Yeah. By sorry. Uh, days run together when I'm getting ready to go to Vegas. Um, two nights ago with the Grammys, I, I watched a little. By a little, I mean I watched Miley Cyrus perform. Okay. <laughs> Why do people universally unite behind Miley Cyrus, but Taylor Swift is so divisive? I find Miley Cyrus to be incredibly annoying, and I find her to be incredibly terrible live. Okay. And they had this whole buildup about how she's, she's done Flowers twice live. It sounded like it. Let me tell you. It was, it was bad. It was bad. And then she interrupts everyone to say, oh, don't act like you don't know the song. I, I Halfway in the first verse with though. all the celebrities in the front row, and I'm thinking, what is going on? And guess we'll I, join in now. I'm looking at social media the last two days, and, I mean, you would have thought that, you know, the, the, a legend came back from the dead to perform the way the tributes to Miley Cyrus are going on. I, what's, what's the difference here? Uh, Help me out with that. Well, here's the thing. Miley already went through this. Miley went through this. Remember, she was the first one that brought on twerking, and she got, I mean, she, she went through a rough patch herself. People hated Miley Cyrus. I'd say it's just we don't remember this kind so of stuff. So she's come on the other. Uh, she's so on the she's other gone, side. Of it now. She's gone. She's gone through. Came around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people, yeah, people hated Miley Cyrus. And, you know, she went from Hannah Montana to this. Oh, she doesn't deserve it. She's Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter. That's the only reason why she does the whole twerking thing, the wrecking ball, the kisses on the MTV stage, all this stuff. And then like she really went through kind of a, a, a low period, and she was able to kind of break through and do it and come out like on the other side. Um, I, I have no, I don't have any problem with Miley. I actually think it's a power move. I've been on stage in the past DJing or running around with the microphone, et cetera. And I'll be like, yo, idiots, you know this song. Get up, get up, come on, come on, let's go. Like, you, you gotta, like, come on. Like, I actually think that's uh, good for her. Now, as far as the annoying I don't ass- think you do that at the Grammys, though, when you're looking down at all of these people who are, right. many of them, bigger than you that are. That song is everywhere, though, because it, 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 yeah. it, it won a Grammy. So I, I, don't mind, I don't mind that aspect of her. Here's the thing. Taylor Swift, if, it, it, I, I, and I don't hate Taylor Swift for the, I have to see this over and over because you have to keep repeating yourself so the Swifties understand this. It's just that she's everywhere right now. The reason yeah. she's getting backlash is because it's everywhere. And I don't care if it was her. I don't care. I don't care if it was a male. I don't care who it was. It's just it's a, a sign, little It's a sign of her success. I mean, anyone gets that big and you're going to have haters. That's natural. Right, but... oh. Oh, okay, but I'm saying it's almost becoming too big where even her supporters, people oh, that have paid, that's my thing. It's becoming so much. I mean, the group chats were going wild on Sunday night, and even you can see it where it is now. And it's it's even her diehard supporters that did spend thousands of dollars are like, eh, it's a little too much because you're either all in and you're a Swifty that will search Taylor Swift every morning. And believe me, they do this because I've even been on the recipient side of it. If I write anything even halfway back, like, hey, maybe it's a little too much. These people search her name almost like bots and they will come after you. They boom, boom, boom. It used to happen with Katy Perry. It came out with the Beehive with Beyonce. That's what they do, okay? And unless you're all in or they're not, and they will turn on you like a second. It's wild, man. Point is, Taylor Swift's great. 
no problem, but it is becoming a little bit, uh, a, a little too much. I think the Grammys, she was able to announce it. That's fine. But it just seemed a little too, like, oh my God, I can't believe I won. Really? Really? You're surprised you won? Like, it just is becoming a little too much. Homework assignment guns, because That's of good. what you're talking about with this whole phenomenon with fans going after people. Yeah. The show Swarm on Prime Video. Just note that. Watch it. And you will be frightened when you go look at your Twitter mentions about okay. what could possibly happen yeah. to you if you watch that show. There you go. Speaking um, up, but yeah, I mean, speaking up, Taylor. I mean, did you see what happened the other day with the uh, oh the no, embassy? No, fill us in because you've got this at Outkick.com. So we kind of we didn't break this, but it, well, I mean, we had it within like five minutes. I ended up doing it. The Japanese embassy, the Japanese embassy had to release a statement letting the Swifties know that Taylor Swift was, in fact, not going to be postponing or canceling her final show in order to make the Super Bowl, that all is well and that everything is okay and that she was still going to be able to make it back in time to Las Vegas as well as play the show. You had J Japan, you've got China, a radical, psychopath, lunatic leader over in China threatening to bomb Thailand and take over that whole area and instead, the Japanese embassy felt that it was okay to just release a statement to let Swifties know that Taylor Swift was still going to play the final show, which nobody said she wasn't going to. And the responses just show the rabidness of it, where it's like they had to say something that no, like, nobody said it was going to. And they're just like, well, we had to calm these people down. They had to calm the Swifties down. This is what's wrong. Swifties are, are the majority. Yeah, it's, that's an overreach. But that also is not Taylor Swift's fault. That the Japanese embassy is making statements about Taylor Swift. That's, a, that, that's on the Japanese embassy. Right, but it just... Nor are the five cutaways within an hour of a yeah. broadcast. And, right. I, and I, I, I don't... Uh, we've already learned that part of it. I'm not mad at that. I can't, Did we just become Swifties? <laughs> I can't... I was going to say... Yeah. I said... We that live in her world now. I argued here, and uh, for, like 10 months ago, I said that for the NFL diehard fan, that could be a problem. I don't care about myself. And there, the reason there is a backlash is because I was right. Even if it is four or five cutaways, there's something about it that they don't want it. If you look at facts, here's well, the thing. Sports fans don't, they, like, we're not logical human beings. We all know diehard sports fans. We're not logical, okay? It's like, this is me time. This is what, like, oh, I got to do this. We're not logical. If they cut away and she wasn't with Travis Kelsey, no one would mention it because they'll have other cutaways too at the Super Bowl. Go Niners. And Guns, we hate it. you're the man. We're go Niners because I'm tired of it all. Gun show. We're going to Vegas. Screaming. You'll That's be where screaming. We're, going. Yeah, Rock we're and out of here. Though. Guns is going to stay here, right here at 6 Join us tomorrow. <laughs> Super Bowl 58 coverage right here on outkick.com slash watch.